Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Ted O'Connell, author of USMLE Step 2 Secrets and Chief Content Officer for Inside the Boards. This is the Step 2 Secrets podcast, where we provide you the high-yield content from Step 2 Secrets in audio format, as well as question breakdowns, so you can study on the go and get back to reclaiming some of your life. Hello, Step 2 Secrets listeners. I am Patrick Beeman. I am the founder of Inside the Boards that produces this podcast as well as a number of other podcasts to help you study on the go. Before we get into today's episode of S2S, I have a question for you from Elsevier's Clinical Key. A 72-year-old male with Alzheimer's dementia is brought to his geriatrician for a routine follow-up. He's been doing well overall at home, but needs the assistance of his wife to perform activities like eating and dressing. She's noticed that he is eating very slowly, and it takes him well over an hour to eat dinner. She also reports that it seems like he has difficulty swallowing. A few times, he's coughed after a spoonful of food, but he has no other medical conditions, no surgical history. His physical examination is normal. When he is fed some ice cream, he swallows it without difficulty. Which of the following studies would be most appropriate first in this patient's evaluation? Is it A, a complete blood count and metabolic panel? B, upper GI endoscopy? C, esophageal manometry? Or D, a video swallow study? And the correct answer here is choice D, a video swallow study. So video fluoroscopy is the first test which should be ordered in the evaluation of patients with oropharyngeal dysphagia. It helps document the entire swallowing process and would determine the cause of occasional aspiration symptoms, which can be seen in patients with Alzheimer's disease. All right, quick and dirty. Now let's get into step two secrets. This is Ted O'Connell. And this is the geriatrics chapter of USMLE Step 2 Secrets, 5th edition. Question 1. True or false, roughly 2% of the population is over the age of 65. False. Approximately 15% of people are over the age of 65, and this number is increasing. Question 2. What age group constitutes the most rapidly growing segment of the population? Persons over the age of 85. Question 3. True or false, an 80-year-old person needs more calories than a 30-year-old person? False. An 80-year-old person has half the lean body mass of a 30-year-old person and thus needs fewer calories. The basal metabolic rate is based on lean body mass. Elderly patients, however, need more vitamin B12, vitamin D, folate, and non-heme iron than younger patients. Question 4. True or false? 
Hearing and vision changes are a normal part of aging. True. Presbyopia, the hardening of the lens that decreases the ability to accommodate, becomes almost universal after age 50, thus the common need for reading glasses after age 50. Presbycusis, the loss of ability to discriminate between sounds, most markedly at higher frequency, is also part of the normal process of aging. Hearing aids may help. Question 5. True or false? Older patients require higher doses of most medications. False. In fact, due to normal age-related changes in pharmacokinetics, including absorption, metabolism, gut transit time, and body fat composition, medication should usually be prescribed at lower doses in the geriatric population. Older patients may also be more susceptible to adverse effects of medication, especially sedating and anticholinergic medications. These medications can lead to confusion, falls, dry mouth, urinary retention and or incontinence, and constipation, among others. The Beers List offers consensus guidelines on medications to avoid or use with caution in the geriatric population. Question 6. What is frailty? Frailty is a common geriatric syndrome consisting of poor muscle bulk and weakness, osteoporosis, and mobility impairment that predicts lack of resilience to stresses like acute illness or trauma and is associated with poor health outcomes. Question 7. Why are falls so dangerous for older patients, and how can they be prevented? Falls are a significant cause of morbidity and mortality for the elderly, as around 30% of patients over age 65 will fall per year. Falls can lead to fractures, and the one-year mortality after hip fracture is about 30%. All adults over age 65 should be screened for history of fall within the past year. Falls are multifactorial, but can be prevented by optimizing lighting and vision, removing potential obstacles from the home, making bathrooms safer with grab bars and bathing benches or chairs, reviewing medication lists and removing medications that may cause confusion, sedation, blurry vision, or dizziness, and encouraging regular exercise and balance training. Additionally, there is some evidence that vitamin D helps prevent falls in community-dwelling older adults. Question 8. What is osteoporosis? Who should be screened? Osteoporosis is a disease of pathologically decreased bone mineral density, which can lead to bone fractures. It is very common among older patients, especially women. Current recommendations suggest screening all women over age 65 for osteoporosis and younger women with risk factors for secondary osteoporosis with a DEXA scan. DEXA scans typically examine bone mineral density in the spine, hip, and radius. The diagnosis is made by a T-score, more than minus 2.5 standard deviations below the reference population of young, healthy women. Question 9. What are the risk factors for osteoporosis? What are the typical therapies for osteoporosis? Risk factors for osteoporosis include older age, white or Asian race, low body mass index, and family history of osteoporosis. Other risk factors include testosterone or estrogen deficiency through either early or atrogenic menopause, hyper and hypothyroidism, hyperparathyroidism, Cushing disease, rheumatoid arthritis, 
and other inflammatory arthritis, tobacco use, vitamin D deficiency, and malnutrition. Treatment often includes medication therapy with bisphosphonates, encouraging weight-bearing exercise, and minimizing fall risk. Question 10. Describe the normal changes in male sexual function that occur with aging. 1. Increased refractory period. After ejaculation, it takes longer before he can have another erection. 2. Increased amount of time to achieve an erection. 3. Delayed ejaculation. An elderly man may ejaculate only one of every three times that he has sex. Question 11. Describe the normal changes in female sexual function that occur with aging. 1. Decreased vaginal lubrication. Estrogen cream or water-soluble lubricants can be helpful in treating symptoms. 2. Dyspareunia. Pain with intercourse due to atrophy of clitoral, labial, and vaginal tissues, which can be treated with estrogen cream. And 3. Delayed orgasm. Question 12. True or false? Impotence and lack of sexual desire are normal in elderly people. False. Impotence in men and lack of sexual desire in either sex are not normal and should be investigated and treated. Look for psychiatric disorders such as depression, as well as physical causes such as medications. SSRIs and antihypertensives are notorious culprits. Vascular disease. Watch for atherosclerosis risk factors and neurologic disease, especially in diabetics. Question 13. Describe the normal changes in sleep habits in elderly people. Elderly persons require less sleep, sleep less deeply, sleep earlier in the evening, wake up more frequently during the night, and awaken earlier in the morning. It also takes longer for elderly persons to fall asleep, and they have less stage 3 and 4 and rapid eye movement sleep. Question 14. What is the best prophylaxis for pressure ulcers in an immobilized patient? Frequent turning and the use of special air mattresses. Question 15. True or false? Brain atrophy is a normal part of aging. True. Decreased brain weight, enlarged ventricles and sulci, and a slightly decreased ability to learn new material are normal parts of aging. Question 16. Define pseudo-dementia. How do you recognize it on the Step 2 exam? Depression in the elderly can resemble dementia. Look for a history that would trigger depression, such as a loss of a spouse, change in living situation or level of independence, terminal or debilitating disease, as well as other symptoms of depression, such as frequent crying and suicidal thoughts. Question 17. What is the difference between dementia and delirium? Dementia is a disease of chronic and progressive cognitive decline. There are many different kinds of dementias, the most common of which is Alzheimer's dementia, which has increasing incidence with age. Delirium, by contrast, is an acute state of confusion characterized by waxing and waning mental status, disorientation, changes in arousal, poor attention, abnormal sleep-wake cycle, and or hallucinations. Delirium usually has an underlying cause, such as severe illness or infection, hospitalization, or medication effects. Delirium can happen to anyone and is very common in ICU patients, 
but is especially common during times of illness in patients who have underlying mild cognitive impairment or dementia. Delirium should improve as the underlying etiology is treated, but supportive care for delirious patients also includes frequent reorientation, removing barriers to communication, for example, bringing patients' glasses, hearing aids, or dentures to the bedside, optimizing sleep-wake cycle by exposing patients to natural light and making sure they have a bed by a window, and avoiding or discontinuing contributing medications. Severe cases can be treated with antipsychotics, though these medications may increase mortality. Question 18. True or false? Almost 50% of patients over the age of 65 suffer from some type of dementia. False. Roughly 15% of people over the age of 65 suffer from dementia, but the prevalence increases with age. Roughly 50% of people over age 80 have dementia or mild cognitive impairment. The most common types of dementia are Alzheimer's dementia, dementia with Lewy bodies, vascular dementia, Parkinson dementia, and frontotemporal dementia. Other disorders that can cause dementia include HIV and PICC disease. Tests for reversible causes of dementia and memory impairment such as hypothyroidism, depression, and vitamin B12 deficiency. Question 19. Describe the characteristics of Alzheimer's dementia. Alzheimer's dementia is a neurodegenerative disorder primarily affecting older adults and characterized by memory impairment, particularly short-term memory for facts and events. Memory loss develops insidiously and progresses slowly over time. Language function, visual-spatial skills, and executive function tend to be affected early in the disease process, and with progression, patients may have difficulty with activities of daily living. Question 20. Describe the characteristics of dementia with Lewy bodies. Dementia with Lewy bodies is an increasingly recognized clinical entity characterized by dementia plus two of the three following distinctive clinical features. Visual hallucinations, Parkinsonism including bradykinesia, lib rigidity, and gait disorders, and finally, cognitive fluctuations. In contrast to Alzheimer's dementia, the memory loss in dementia with Lewy bodies presents later in the course of the disease. Early symptoms include driving difficulties such as getting lost and impaired job performance. Sleep disorders such as acting out dreams are common in patients with dementia with Lewy bodies. Question 21. Describe a scenario that would make you suspect vascular dementia. Look for a patient with vascular risk factors such as hypertension, diabetes, dyslipidemia, and coronary artery disease who presents with dementia of abrupt onset and a stepwise deterioration. Question 22. True or false? Dementia is common in patients with Parkinson's disease. True. Dementia is a common feature of Parkinson's disease. Factors that influence the incidence of dementia include older age, age greater than or equal to 60 years at onset of Parkinson's disease, longer duration of Parkinson's disease, and severity of Parkinsonism. Question 23. Describe the characteristics of frontotemporal dementia. Frontotemporal dementia is characterized by focal deterioration of the frontal and or temporal lobes, leading to changes in personality or social behavior, 
with an eventual progression to dementia. Age of onset is typically in the 50s or 60s. Question 24. True or false? Only 5% of people over the age of 65 live in nursing homes. True. Watch for the boards to try to push you into old-fashioned stereotypes of the elderly. Not all old people are demented and living in nursing homes. Question 25. How can advanced directives be useful? An advanced directive is a legal document that specifies a person's wishes regarding her health and can guide medical decision-making in the event that the person should become incapacitated and unable to make decisions for herself. Key features of advanced directives include designating a proxy decision-maker, who may or may not be the person's legal next of kin, and specifying the kinds of treatments or interventions that the person would or would not accept. Often, advanced directives are used to communicate a patient's wishes regarding end-of-life care, including wishes around resuscitation, intubation, artificial nutrition, and or antibiotic therapy. Advanced directives come into effect only if the patient is unable to communicate or make decisions for herself. That's the end of this chapter. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, my publishing company behind USMLE Step 2 Secrets, for allowing us to put out this book in audio format. Please check out the other Inside the Boards podcasts over at InsideTheBoards.com including the main Inside the Boards podcast and the Inside the Boards Study Smarter series for question breakdowns and tips on getting through medical school. And with that, we wrap up today's episode of USMLE Step 2 Secrets. Hi, this is Ted O'Connell. I just wanted to let you know real quick that when the time comes for you to begin studying for the USMLE Step 3, we actually now have a USMLE Step 3 subscription podcast. So I encourage you to check that out over at medpreptogo.com. We have sample episodes available. And even if you're studying for step two, you may actually find some of this content uh, really useful for your studies. So please do check it out.